Good morning, everyone. As we continue on our journey with Habakkuk and his conversation with God through prayer, this week we look at three verses of some significance in chapter 2. Verse 4, for instance, is quoted at least three times in the New Testament. But the righteous person will live by his faith. In Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11 and Hebrews 10.38. Clearly, this idea is important to Paul and the writer to the Hebrews. And it seems to me today that an obvious question to ask is, what do they, we, mean by faith? Faith is believing in things unseen. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we live by faith, not by sight. And in Hebrews 11-11, it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith is about the things we see spiritually, not physically. In verse 4, God is saying to Habakkuk, You shall live if you trust in me and live faithfully. This is a wait moment, an amber signal, as Margaret suggested. We should be ready to go. It was true for the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Christians of the early church, and it is still true for us today. We need to put our trust in our Heavenly Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Faith is surely our response to God's revelation to us individually. Faith is up to us. We are free to respond to God or not. As a teenager, I saw examples of people who led a faith-driven life, and I was attracted by it. I wanted this life as well. These people were older members of the young people's group at the church I went to and they were seemingly enjoying life, and I wanted that enjoyment as they did. In Revelation 3.20 we read, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I heard that knock, and so I opened the door and invited him in. Jesus wants to come into all our lives, but only by invitation. He will not push open the door, but he knocks, but it is up to us to respond and open it. When we choose to respond to God in faith, we begin a lifelong journey that is meaningful and exciting, living a life that is righteous, godly, good, holy, honest, pure and upright as best as possible, but one that is not without its trials. Let's think for a moment about how Paul and the writer of the Hebrews share this idea. In Romans 1.17, Paul quotes Habakkuk, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And again, in Galatians 3.11, Paul wrote, Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. 
The writer to the Hebrews said, But my righteous one shall live by faith. Surely they are both encouraging a life of faith. But what does that mean? What will it look like, living by faith? It means trusting God, even when you do not understand what he is doing. Trusting God, even when life is tough and all around us is chaos. It's all about having a trusting relationship with God, like Habakkuk did. Because of his relationship with God, Habakkuk was able to question him in the ways he did, because of their relationship was one of personal trust. Habakkuk had a good relationship with God. He saw God at work in all the things around him and in the lives of those that he lived with. Our faith can be strengthened too by what we read in the Bible as well as what we observe in the lives and sharing of other people of faith. Our faith can be encouraged by an experience of our own in moments of love, joy or peace and in moments of despair when we dare to cry out to God to be with us in our pain. When we live by faith, we can sense God at work in our lives. We become aware of God walking with us in ordinary every day. We start to see God in the little things, the beauty of our surroundings. When Sue and I are out walking, we often notice the beauty of his creation, but not only in the amazing landscapes, but in the small insects that inhabit them as we nearly tread on them. God is walking with us because he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. The presence of the Holy Spirit can be felt when we meet together with family and friends, as he causes us to share with one another not only the times of happiness, but in the times of sorrow. We can care, can care for one another, and this is revealed through those little acts of kindness we find ourselves making, because this is our faith in action. Now in verse 14, Habakkuk is given another amber message. In verse 14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is revealing to Habakkuk his plan for the Babylonian nation, that they may be his instrument of judgment for Judah. But their ultimate downfall will enable the world to see and understand the glory of God. Babylon was such a proud, boasting nation, and everyone was fed up with it. God is showing Habakkuk that he has a plan for such nations, that seek to acquire wealth and power and yet dishonour him. This verse is very similar to Isaiah eleven nine. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah is speaking of the knowledge of the Lord, presenting the fact, whereas Habakkuk is speaking of God's glory, knowledge of the fact. They both seem to be saying that our knowledge of the Lord's glory and majesty will be made evident and acknowledged throughout the land. I wonder how you feel about this today. Where is the Lord's glory and majesty evident? I wonder who the nations might be that God is going to overthrow and judge. 
perhaps we can hazard some guesses. It seems clear from this that one day the knowledge of the Lord's glory and majesty will be made evident and acknowledged throughout the earth. We have to wait for that day like Habakkuk waited. Our last verse today sees God speaking of how he is managing the world, so to speak, therefore how his people should approach him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. God seems to be reminding the people that he is God, reigning in his temple, as it were, and that we need to let him get on with that, watching and waiting in silence for him to act. The temple was important for the people of Judah, their place of worship, a place to come and meet with God. In our worship today, do we come before our living God with silent awe, great respect and reverence? We know we have a need to acknowledge that God is in control and know what he's doing. But can we always do that? Sometimes, like Habakkuk, it seems difficult because we can't understand what God is doing. We can't see his plan. This is where our faith comes back into the equation. Our faith helps us to try to come before God reverently and silently to hear what he has to say, trusting in his word. We can discover that we might be saying that he might be saying to us as individuals, as a church, as a nation, as the people of the world. This suggests to me that our life of prayer Going to God each day is so important. We need to listen to him. And so often the noise of the world gets in the way. Pete Gregg in his book, How to Pray, suggests that we should always pause before we pray, using that pause to breathe deeply, trying to switch off the noise of the world, create for ourselves a quietness in which we might hear the whisper of God's love for us, as we talk and listen to him. If you want to know more about this, then I recommend you read chapter 3, How to Be Still Before God, in the book. So where does all this leave us in answering our question? Where is your faith? These three verses give us, it, gives us, it seems to me, so much incentive and inspiration for celebration. We are delivered from trouble by our faith. We can live in an abundant life because of that faith. We can live in the atmosphere of the knowledge that God is being glorified. And finally, we can share in times of fellowship and worship with others as we genuinely praise and worship God together. Faith leads us to celebration with God and each other. And for Habakkuk, well, he began chapter 1 by complaining about God's seemingly inability to do anything or even want to about his people and the mess they find themselves in. <clears throat> he ends chapter 2, however, celebrating the fact of God's faithfulness and greatness that he now perceives. And this leads him to a psalm or, or song, as Sue will share next week. Let us pray. Father, thank you for Habakkuk's experience that he shares. 
Help us to learn from him, to deepen our faith and learn to worship you with all that we are and all that you want us to be. Amen.